Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bright Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. Good evening. This is Brian from This is Bright Radio. It is Mr. Waters speaking. It is Tuesday, the 13th of September 2022 at 8.15pm. No longer second prep, but slot two for those of us at school. Thank you so very much for tuning in this evening. Great show lined up this evening. Firstly, though, let me introduce my co-hosts for the evening, Alfie and Mia. Welcome, welcome. Good Hello. evening, everybody. Great to be here. Fantastic. Good summers. <laughs> what are you up to? Um, I just kind of stayed at home. I did a little bit of work. Worked at a castle. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty fun. It was like half work, half volunteering. Oh, um, and I enjoy that a lot, apart from the really hot days because there's no shade there. Oh, um, God, that must yeah. have been warm down in Jersey. Yeah. And Mia, how about you? Good summer? Uh, yeah, good summer. Went on holiday to France, went to a festival, saw some friends, did did a lot of work. Good balance, you know. Good balance, I like it. And good to be back at school. We're in week two already. It seems as though it's week six, I feel. Yeah, so yeah. Much I completely going on. agree with that, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Right, okay. Um, well, we do say that a week is a long time in politics, and two months even more so. Mm-hmm. And we shall, in a moment, not just yet, get on to the new Prime Minister development in, in Ukraine and all of the many summer crises shortly. However, first, we must sadly address this week's news. Um, yeah, all those things. I came back from school, I planned the first show, I knew where it was going. This is a week last Monday. Then, of course, we received the news on Thursday evening last week that Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II has died. Um, there's been a lot in the news so far about this. It's dominating yeah. all the press, naturally. Mm-hmm. And we can you can go there and look into it yourself. So I thought what we might do this evening is explain a bit about what it might mean constitutionally, I would say. Okay. We yeah. want to jump in and take the lead there. Um, do you start? Well, it's the first monarch like we've had that hasn't been the Queen since is it 1952? 52. 52, 52, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Um, which is an exceptional amount of time, so, you know, most people haven't seen this happen before, um, which is really crazy. And, like, what a lot of people don't realise as well is the quite big constitutional role the monarch has still mm-hmm. in the British government. So a little more, a little more on that. What does, what does, what, what does the monarch? To, well, what does the monarch has, play? Yeah, she, she did. used to have to. Um, she sits in the House of Lords. What she sat in the House of Lords. She would open Parliament. Absolutely, she would open yeah. Parliament, mm-hmm. And every bill that would get passed through would have to get her royal assent. Absolutely. What is it? What's a bill for our listeners there? Um, it's something that's passed through um, usually Parliament, either House of Lords, House of Commons. Um, um, Supreme Court as well um, and essentially the monarch has to sign it off yeah um, so a bill is that proposed legislation it goes first voted for by the House of Commons then voted for by the House of Lords I think you mean there's at least a declaration of compatibility yes, with yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
with the Human yeah. Rights Act or judged, judged somewhat by the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And then having gone through all that process, it receives what's called royal assent. Yeah. Um, in practice, I think you remember from the Assembly on Monday, Mr Vincent said this hasn't not happened mm. since Queen Anne in 170-something. I'm sure he will text me presently exactly <laughs> yeah. uh, which year that last time that the monarch refused to sign off on a uh, give a bill of royal assent and make it pass it into law. But this is the Queen's role. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any great change? Now we have King Charles. Is there any great change between having had Queen Elizabeth II and now having King Charles III from a constitutional political angle? No. No. No, no definitely no. not. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of those those odd things about Britain in that little will change mm. in, in, in a constitutional sense. Yeah. Uh, the monarchy is a constant. Uh, we had a queen one minute as head of state and a king the next. There wasn't yeah. a ceremony. We think of that, you know, this is the, the head of state role that the monarch plays mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in comparison to perhaps to France, America, yeah. where the head of state, the changeover is quite yeah. a big thing. Sworn yeah, that's in. huge. I think yeah. there'll be some changes for Charles, though, mm-hmm. because he, you know, when he was Duke of Edinburgh. Prince of Wales. Prince of Wales. My yeah. bad, everybody. Um, Prince of Wales. Um, he, you know, he was very, like, political and he... He spoke out, I'm not sure what he spoke out on, but he spoke out on a lot of stuff and he had a lot of charities. He did, but yes. as a monarch, Queen Elizabeth wasn't as, couldn't be as political. Not at all. And so he's got to tone a lot of his views down, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, quite the environmentalist as Prince of Wales. Yeah. Um, putting it on the agenda when people weren't talking about it, certainly. And now, as monarch, it's that political neutrality that he must yeah, play exactly. that role. And that's... Assuredly, it provides a sense of purpose and obligation to mm. our constitutional monarchy. Yeah, no, we would say. I mean, um, like, you, you, I feel like a lot of people don't realize as well is that how many countries still have the British monarch as their head of state yeah. as well. Mm, so a the lot. importance of the Commonwealth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thinking there about Canada. Yeah. Uh, many islands in the Caribbean, Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. many others. It's that sort of key role, and I think then about what the Queen meant to, as an individual to Britain and to British politics overseas. And I think a little bit about Her Majesty having been the figurehead almost for our soft power. Yes. Yeah, I feel. No, 100%. And, mm-hmm. I don't know how she helped advance British interests overseas. So mm-hmm. I thought, should we explain soft power a bit to our listeners and the role Her Majesty played in that? Well, soft, yeah. soft power is when um, a state a, has has more like has power over other states without being without using military force mm-hmm. um, so it'd be more like cultural power yeah mm-hmm. and how did how did the queen fill in there um, think, well the queen's very popular around the world mm-hmm. um, everybody knows you know Queen Elizabeth II of England um, I feel like you know even outside of the Commonwealth as well which was a club that you know was formed from ex countries from the British Empire they've managed to kind of turn that around and make it quite good for those nations and like you see her in diplomacy all the time when we've got world leaders coming around um, mm-hmm. she's always there to greet them and you can see the soft power um, through diplomacy there working really well Absolutely, it's that influence that Britain has over other countries mm. through the use of the monarchy, through use of the Queen and when I was considering this on the way over King Charles of course, he will have the same theoretical powers as the Queen, but I feel as though in practice somewhat, the Queen was able to build up that soft power because she was there for so very many decades and mm-hmm. saw such change, yes. she was such a constant, and that takes time, it's just a natural thing Oh yeah. and King Charles will have his work cut out to try and mm-hmm. um, sort of achieve the same level yeah. of 
of influence. No, I would say. I mean, like the 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 the, the um the UK that the Queen was like born into is extremely different from what we have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There we go. Um. Well. Okay. That's our bit there. Um, after the song, uh, after the, the, the music, um, uh, we'll talk about the Conservative Party leadership election, Liz Truss, and what all that means. Uh, back in a little bit. Thank you.
Right, we're back on the air again. Uh, let's before we move on to talking about Liz Truss and the Conservative Party leadership election, I thought I'd shout out to Dr. Pullen's Bry Island Discs that was on yesterday evening. I believe, if not now, will soon be going up on the website and on Spotify, I'm sure. Um, in addition, his sports talk, Dr. Pullen's sports talk, will be on next Tuesday at 8.15. Thank you for listening. Um, me and Alfie are joining me this evening. We're going to move on now and talk about... The other big news story, yep. which we have planned, uh, we've returned, which is the election of Liz Truss as, Cons- as Conservative Party leader and what that means. Where shall we start? Well, oh, there's so many places to yeah. start. <laughs> well, as you know, Boris um, was losing popularity very, very quickly through all the um, the dodgy things he'd done. He'd broken COVID rules. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd made ridiculous, ridiculous speeches mm. um, everywhere and... It was people were calling for him to resign. Um, and then it took the resignations of big beasts within the party. Okay, big beasts, what sort of phrase mean, Alfie? Um, it pretty much means um, the strongest people in your cabinet, um, like mm-hmm. ministers, and essentially they're powerful enough that they can essentially control the cabinet itself. Yeah. They themselves have enough political clout and yeah. power within the party that they need to be included in part of the, the sort of policy-making process. They'd resigned. Johnson lost his support base. It triggered, of course, the resignation. And with that came a Conservative Party leadership election, the winner of which would, of course, become Prime Minister as the mm-hmm. leader of the largest party, would be appointed as Prime Minister by or by Her Majesty. Yeah. Uh, the story of it, I think, I recall, I think we were on the air just as the... I think we had one show, I think, because the election was, was starting. Yeah. Yeah. I can't quite pause it. Very early in July. It seems yeah. like a distant memory now. It really does. Yeah. I mean, I guess I had summer recess, so it did take them a while. Yeah. And at the time, it was a, 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 a round-by-round ballot of MPs with mm-hmm. the um, Conservative Party voting so there's their, with their 360-odd uh, like MPs. Yeah. Voting um, round by round, and the candidate with the lowest votes would be limited each round. So there were two yeah. to go forwards to a Conservative Party membership ballot across the summer, which has been going on. Who was the front runner among MPs? Can you recall? Um, um, oh, that's a good question. Uh, was it Rishi? Was it? it was. Yeah. It was yeah. Rishi yeah. Sunak. Yeah. He was Rishi. consistently the front runner. He was mm-hmm. the one who was always getting more votes from mm. MPs. And if you watch yeah. some of the uh, the the debates, Liz. Mm-hmm. Although she very cleverly, she all of her questions were always addressed to Rishi mm-hmm. because he was her strongest candidate, and so she was trying to put him under the gun again and again and again. Absolutely, quite a political tactic there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, we went through sort of several rounds. The likes of Kimmy Badenoch, uh, Penny Morden, and such were eliminated uh, until we had just Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak as the final two. And just in the interest of that was the fifth MP's ballot back in sort of mid July. I can't think of the exact date. But at that point, uh, Rishi Sunak received the support of 137 or 38% of the Conservative Party MPs. Liz Truss in second place on 113 with just under 32% of the Tory MPs. So wow. Liz Truss doesn't even have the support of the plurality no. of, of her own MPs. More on that. I feel as though that's going to come back in the next few months and years. Mm-hmm. 100%. With some particular reference in a moment. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the members' vote. Uh, there were hustings held all throughout the country. Uh, so 
party members could go and Conservative party members could go and listen to yeah. these two candidates to choose mm-hmm. they wanted to vote for. And in the end, uh, eighty-one thousand three hundred twenty-six or fifty-seven percent voted for Liz Truss to Rishi Sunak's sixty thousand votes. Wow! That's, that's so we have a story there of. Swish Sunak, the Chancellor, the big beast being the popular figure with the Conservative Parliamentary Party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Liz Truss, much more popular with the grassroots members. Yeah. What does that mean? Why is that? What could the potential ramifications be? Well, I think this um, this means that the the it will be mostly a cabinet government and not a prime ministerial government. Remind us of those terms. Um so a prime ministerial government is when the prime minister is basically running the government and they have mm-hmm. um, all of their party members on their side and rooting for them. And a cabinet government is when they don't have that and the the cabinet make more decisions. And the cabinet rule together more mm. so. And that's what we think this trust might be. So on yeah. Liz Truss's cabinet, on Liz Truss's cabinet, I've got my papers here, as you can probably hear. Key jobs, Liz Truss, prime minister. Deputy Prime Minister in Health is Therese uh, Coffey. Quasi Quartan Chancellor, uh, James Cleverley in, as in the Foreign Office, and Swella Braverman as Home Secretary. No role for Sunak. Yeah. Why? He, I thought he resigned. He did? Yeah. But why is Liz Trust not offering Sunak a role? And why is Sunak, if he has been offered a role, declined it? What could that mean? Over a third of MPs, Conservative Party MPs, wanted Sunak to be their leader. And Sunak, is, who is one of Mia's big beasts, mm-hmm. is not in the cabinet. I, I, on, I don't know why she's done that. Like, I really think that she should have put him in the cabinet because you want them, if you can't, like, well, obviously she did win against him, but... She needs people like him in her cabinet. Why? Why? What's the her. What's the importance of this with, with Sunak in particular? Well, I mean, as we saw from the vote within Parliament, um, Sunak's got the support of the majority of the MPs. Plurality of the MPs. Yeah, plurality of the Tory MPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, exactly. So, um, if Rishi doesn't take the job, then the MPs might stick with him. Yeah. There could be another vote of no confidence. There could enough. be. This is this is perhaps a danger here in yeah. that list trust. It's all the situations of. You know, by all means, reward your friends for loyalty. Yeah. And it's quite clear from the names I read earlier, Quasi Quartan, James Cleverley's Braverman, they are supporters of trust. They mm-hmm. are um, economically also that sort of neoliberal. Yeah. More on that on a moment. And she's very much rewarded loyalty there. <laughs> but so it's definitely keep your friends close and reward your friends. But she's not kept her enemies. And they're not enemies really soon, I can trust, oh, in this debate where one no. wants to be leader and one, where they both wanted to be leader. But... Sunak hasn't been included. He's a big beast. Yeah. He has the over 100 Tory MPs on his side. Mm-hmm. Could this be damaging for trusts in difficult votes in the Commons? Yes. And in what sure. way? In what way? Well, she won't get the majority that she needs to pass. Potentially. To pass. Mm. So that's it. Always backbenchers. They're still, yeah. but still, I mean, Conservative MPs and they will still support the government and their own party. But if Sunak's not a fan of a policy... There's potential there. Exactly. Uh, I mean, this comes as well where um, I think it's about next week. Quasi mm-hmm. um, Quateng and Liz Truss are going to hold the mini budget next week, which is pretty much where it'll confirm some of the tax cuts, um, mm-hmm. including corporation tax, national insurance, um, all of that. 
mm-hmm. and you wonder, you know, if Rishi's like, ooh, you know. This is the this know. this is the concern that we have is mm-hmm. Sunak was there pres- uh, preaching something of a fiscal responsibility. Yes, exactly. We're still going to be a low corporation tax country, and tax mm-hmm. is some of it's higher than other countries, but corporation tax mainly is, you know, and we there, there are. You know, compared to European mm. economies at the same, the same scale, yeah. income tax is relatively low as well. Yeah, exactly. It's not as though Sunak's preaching higher, uh, much much higher taxation no. than is current. It's very small amounts we're talking yeah. here, and Sunak's argument was that if we try to cut our tax more, how are we going to fund government spending? Yeah, exactly. How are you going to do it? And personally. I didn't see ideas coming from Liz Trust about no. how she's going to do this. Me neither. No. And what does that mean? So well, she had ideas, but she never elaborated. No. I feel like Sunak is the economist, and I think this mm. is this is the you know it's, it's it's the economy. It's one of the most important things. Yeah. And it's not doing well at the moment. It's not. Sunak thought one thing, Trust wanted another. Therefore, Sunak would never agree with Trust's economic policy. Yeah. That neoliberal, you know, neo Thatcherite in some mm. way economic yeah. policy. Whereas you know, Quarten, absolutely, they are. Mm-hmm. You know, natural benefits when it comes to economic policy, yeah, and that's why he's been rewarded with the second most important job, mm-hmm. more important chancellor than deputy prime minister, but more on that perhaps at, yeah. for for another day. We'll talk about. I mean, that. like you, you don't really hear much in elaboration, as you said before. Like they said, they're going to cap energy bills at two thousand five hundred a year, but they've lacked any key details into how they're going to do that. Absolutely, yeah. this is what this is. It's tricky here. We are, you know, just over a week into our new prime minister. Yeah, appointed on the Tuesday. We had a situation last Thursday, and the only policy I th- we, we looked and looked, and the only th- sort of more concrete thing was Trust saying that she would cap energy bills for households at £2,500 a year. Still quite a climb on this time last year, mm-hmm. almost double, I would say. I've got a few points here. Firstly, my mm-hmm. first point is, how are you going to pay for it? Yeah. My second point is, is this really neoliberal economics to say that we're going to interfere in a market, and which is what Liz Truss supposedly stands for. And thirdly, is Liz Truss just another pragmatic conservative whose values can waver when they need to? Yeah. yeah. So that first one, how is it actually going to be paid for in practice? Well, I think they, they will probably have to get loans from the Bank of England mm-hmm. to cover these costs. And the more we loan from the Bank of England the more debt we're going to be in, and then that means our generation and Absolutely. Uh, just the people above us, like the generation above us, will have to... Our taxes will go up a lot because mm-hmm. we're going to have to pay off this debt. This is what we call intergenerational borrowing. Mm-hmm. When the government's been running a deficit now for just about for over 15 years, I think, I'll check on that, and... When the government has a deficit, it's going to be that, 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 that they are spending more money than they're taking in tax revenues. <laughs> that money adds to national debt. It needs to be paid off by somebody at some point. It's going to be paid off by future generations' tax money. Yeah. The services are being given now. Mm-hmm. And they're paid off for by your generation and the generation below you. All of it's been bothered. Now, COVID is one of those one-offs. Mm-hmm. Then we have this, this, this cost-of-living crisis. Uh, Keir Starmer, let's stop focusing time on the toys. Keir Starmer proposed something else in Parliament to say, why don't you do this thing? What did Keir Starmer propose as a means of helping households with the cost of living? Come across that? Um, a windfall tax. Oh, windfall yeah, tax. Yeah, Alfie, yeah. take us away. Yeah. Windfall so tax. Um, essentially, they've, they've done this before where it's just a, like, it's usually a percentage of the money from a lot of big businesses. 
and they essentially just um, withdraw that money from these businesses in just one one single tax, and yeah. that they do once. And yeah. yeah, it's a big gain, and the people are happy because it means you know they're getting more money back for mm-hmm. what the government's doing. Okay. Yeah. So what it is that would be interfering in this market. Now, the energy companies, there is a view, have received these record profits, mm-hmm. something that's not really their cause. They didn't plan for the cost of energy to go up so yeah. very much, and they received these very significant prof- uh, billions of profits this year, and uh, as, as, as forecast. Yeah. To interfere in that would not be seen as neoliberal economics. It would be seen as somewhat no. perhaps modern liberal socialist, mm-hmm. however you might view that. And that's why trust is against it. Instead, she's saying she will interfere in the market by saying we're going to cap the bills here and we'll let somebody else deal with it in the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's tricky. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it needs more fleshing out. I don't believe it's what trust would really want to do. No. But it's what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, any more on trust and the cabinet? And I just think she's—I think she's trying to be a lot like Margaret Thatcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she's being quite dogmatic. Yes, mm. dogmatic. Like, like iron-fisted, like straight, very. Uh, uh, you can't. I can't really remember, like very harsh in her approach. Like, we'll very do harsh. anything. Not, not so much. Way of this is what I'm going to do, and this, yeah, exactly. is, this is it. I'm not going to try and change my mind. And she's yeah. trying to come across strong and powerful, certainly, mm-hmm. which a new prime minister ought to. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. So that's been quite intense. Um, after the after the break, just now, we'll discuss a little bit about some developments in Ukraine and some of the other crises. See you soon.
Welcome back. So, uh, we are talking now about the developments in Ukraine across the summer and implications for Putin. Mia, do you want to get us started, please? Well, unlucky for Putin, um, the the Ukraine have taken part, taken part? Retaken (laughs) some of the (laughs) Donbass regions back. Absolutely. So how's the war, how's the war developing for for Russia and Putin at the moment? Are things things going to plan? Not at all. Not at all. Tell Um, me more. Well, they were meant to take Kiev and end the war a lot sooner than mm-hmm. previously planned. Um, but now there's low morale within the Russian ranks. Um, Ukraine is managing to get through all the heavy defences that yeah. Russia had. Um, you see a lot more people um, routing now, running away from the battle. Um, and, yeah, I feel, I feel like it's just going severely downhill. It is. There's that sort of severe um, Ukraine pushback. I know they've retaken the Kharkiv... Uh, so it's city cargo, for example. Mm-hmm. There's also been this nuclear power plant. Did you come, yes. come across that yeah. lately? Tell me a bit more. Um, well, story there. I don't know if you're talking about the one that I was thinking about. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I read the story mm-hmm. where Russia is storing arms in a yeah. nuclear power plant. Same mm-hmm. Is that not the one you're thinking of? No, different one. Oh, but there you go. Well, go I was thinking the same one as that. Yeah. Well, go, go, um, go for it, Alfie. It's okay, all yeah. educational. So, um, it was quite. A, odd story actually that was put up by Russian propaganda where they're storing arms in this nuclear power plant and apparently when Boris Johnson came to visit he led some commandos to go and take down this nuclear power plant and the arms within it and this was put up on Russian national Boris television. Johnson did this? Yes. According to Russian state he media. He led no, he didn't. Oh, uh, well, we're not going to believe Russian this. state media. Oh, no, of course not. Boris Johnson meeting. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's what they put on state media. Yeah that um, he led a group of British commandos to go and assault this, like, arms depot in a, based in a nuclear power plant in Russia. Wow. Yeah. Russians really hey, are really cutting straws. straws. Yeah. 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 Thanks. I mean, they are, they are buying weapons from um, North Korea now, allegedly. Yeah, from North yeah. Korea? Yep. Mm. Another <laughs> development I saw earlier in, mm-hmm. the, in the week is uh, North Korea has now declared itself a nuclear military oh, power. That as well, yeah. uh, we'll have more on that story as it develops. Mm-hmm. I'm sure perhaps when we come back in a fortnight's time. Yeah. Uh, Putin, of course, in a precarious situation overall. Um, and I believe this includes on, on all sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, the war so far, and it's just worthwhile mentioning this, 30, at least 30,000 dead that we know of. Mm-hmm. At least 53,000 are injured, and at least 14 million have been displaced. Yeah. Significant numbers. And Putin's war is not going well. He's still... Is he on thin ice? He is on thin ice, but he still, you know, he still wants, he still wants to um, uh, progress and uh, take, um, progress on with the war, mm. mm-hmm. you know. He's the type of maniac to just not give up. Well, he's um, not used to losing wars. Yeah, exactly. No. Um, I mean, like you got the you got the rains are going to start coming in pretty heavy around that region as well, which means yeah. armored movements are going to be pretty much oh. impossible, especially mm-hmm. around Crimea, because um, it's quite flat land, mm-hmm. but it's very arable, which is why they grow a lot of crops there. That's why a lot of wheat production's in Ukraine. Which, of course, if we're throwing this sort of full link, nothing in politics mm-hmm. ever, that's domestic and global, yeah. is ever discreet on its own matter. It's no. all interlinked. Yeah. What Alfie's referring to here is Ukraine's that breadbasket yeah. of the world, particularly as regards food aid for the mm-hmm. developing world and elsewhere. And it's, that is what's bumped up part of it's contributed to this cost-living crisis here mm-hmm. in the UK. It is all interlinked. That's why it's so good that you're listening this evening just to try and make sense of it so you understand what, what why things are happening. 
Yeah, no, exactly. But yeah, um, no. You know, if any any people have any questions that you know, it's the it's nearing the end of the show, but during the show, if you have any questions about what we've said or um or anything about or you want anything for us to talk about, just text us double six triple seven, starting your message with Bry, or even call us zero triple three triple five two triple five. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. So um, right, uh, we'll be back right after this uh, this next track. Thank you. Welcome back. So we just have a few more things to talk through. There's been so very much going on that we haven't managed to fit everything in as we draw the, the show to a close. <laughs> Big things over the summer. The heat wave, drought, uh, the wider climate crisis, the cost of living crisis, the strikes mm-hmm. going on, and the, uh, I'm going to call it the so-called migrant crisis. Just some key some key news bulletins. What might we start with? Temperatures uh, perhaps first, Mia? Um, well, Keep this heat wave? Just... Um, Temperatures hit 40 degrees for the first time in July, and the London, London Fire Brigade had the busiest day s- since World War Two, with over 250 wildfires. Absolutely, we have that going on. A drought was declared in the southwest, Alfie. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, there was like hose pipe, hose pipe bans as well, and all of that. Um, Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. No. Extremely warm weather. Extremely warm. Again, cost of living crisis, thinking about mm-hmm. crops and so on, all this side of things. Yeah, no, of course. Then we have sea pollution with waste, you know, mm-hmm. being as sort of pumped into the sea, sort of fairly yeah. unacceptable now. And what, what are the water companies doing? Yeah. Cost of living crisis, inflation now. Mia is at. I am um, inflation, while well, inflation's now running at 10%. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Uh, what else do we have? Several strikes have been happening. I want to pause on the strikes. I think there's more we can do there because the strikes, they're on hold at the moment during yes. this period of national morning. Yeah. We'll pause the strikes now. We'll come back to that in a couple of weeks' time. So again, mm-hmm. please do tune in. And then we have this this migrant crisis with so very many crossing mm-hmm. the channel and what that means. Again, there's just not time this evening to nah. get into it. So we know oh. it's, 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 been, it's been picking up over the summer. Yeah. Alfie, hasn't it, essentially? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so... Um, we got now, especially, um, there was another boat today which had about 600 people on it that came over. Oh, goodness. Um, and now a number of people have crossed the English Channel and small boats so far has exceeded the total for the whole of 2021. And we've still got, what, three months left, four months left? Four months left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's a total of 28,562 people. Thank you. Um, so, everyone, thank you so very much for listening this evening. It has been so very great to be back on Bry Radio after our, our summer recess. And now it's the case to just say, of just uh, Bry Radio saying goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. Have a good evening. So, goodbye. just in one moment, and just mm-hmm. sort of close us off there. Is just never was one loved by so many so loved for so long. History has been written, epithets attributed, Elizabeth the Great. A faultless and unwavering service to the nation for all years a constant, epitomising the value in acting for others. God bless Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth, and God save the King.
probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.